Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. So last week I went into how Paul, 2 Corinthians, is talking about the super apostles, right? And he's talking to the people. I'm just going to give you a quick recap. He's talking to the people and he's, he's letting them know. He's like, yo, you got these super apostles popping up. They're all glossed up and everything. And they're selling you this gospel that's works-based and all this stuff. And they look great and everything else, whatever. And he's like, y'all are trying to front on me. And he's like, I've been here serving giving myself to you or whatever, and haven't asked you for nothing. Matter of fact, the churches I roll with, they actually sent me money to come serve you. Like, there's no need to be wondering where I'm at with it. I ain't come to take anything from you. I only came to give you the good news. So he has this need to make a distinction. And he makes this gangster statement that sounded something like this. He said, I will continue to undermine these people, these other people that wear the name Christian too. He said, I'll continue to undermine them to make sure you know we don't work off the same terms. He's really concerned by the people who are hearing the gospel. He's like, y'all are getting it confused. We're not the same. And if you actually give ear to them, they're going to lead you astray, right? So he, needs, he, he sees the necessity to make it clear. We talked about Frederick Douglass, um, the liberated slave last, last week or whatever, who became just, uh, um, um, just a scholar, and how he felt it necessary to speak about the gray area and say, hey, my slave owners call themselves Christians. And he was going at him so hard, he goes, some of y'all might start thinking I'm actually against Christianity. He said, I love the pure Christianity of Christ, but I despise the slaveholders, cradle robbers. And he went into that, right? We went to Martin Luther King, how he goes at the moderates. And he's like, yo, homie, we ain't playing the same game. He's doing the Paul thing. He's like, we got to get the gray area out of here because we're out here standing for in, standing against injustice and putting our life on the line, and y'all are over there singing praises in church on Sunday, and y'all won't even come mess with us at all. Y'all are actually making this fight even more difficult because y'all are in this gray area, right? And at the end of the day, when it comes to the cross being lifted up high and salvation coming to mankind, y'all are actually muddying up the gospel. So as we, we as believers should have a problem with that, have a problem, because our family, our brothers, sisters, cousins, everybody, our friends who are not believers, they're getting caught up in this gray area, and it makes us suspect. So that's what's happened with Paul. He's like, you're making me look suspect, but we don't move by the same terms, and let me spell it out for you. Same thing with Martin Luther with the Reformation, right? Same thing. He comes and he goes, he, 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 he sees the need to undermine the Pope, which is a gangster move, right? Talking about little man coming against power, right? He's like, he's, he, so he taught salvation and eternal life that is not earned by good deeds, but are received only as a free gift of God's grace through the believer's faith in Jesus Christ as redeemer from sin. Who would dare say such a thing? Where did he get that from? So he's literally, he's just going to the Pope like, homie, y'all, that's, that's Bible, right? So he's going to the Pope like, yo. You're hijacking the cross. You got the joint on that big hat or whatever that thing, whatever you be rocking. It's, it's fly because you got the diamonds blinging off of it. It's dope. But that's my father's cross. And with the message you're attaching to it, I'm not for it. So he attacks this gray area, right? Attacks the gray area. And so in all of these situations, the opposition in the situation was actually standing in proximity to the word. They were standing close to Bible, text, scriptures, and all that, 
but yet their hearts were a million miles away. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? Like, so they're right there up on the word, reading it, quoting it, all of this, but a million miles away. And one of the things I'm pushing today is the fact that it's a million miles away because there's a lack of repentance. There's this unwillingness to repent. They held on to their thing. They got self-righteous in it at the, at the, at the expense of even stepping on the truth of the gospel, right? That's, that's, what, was, that's what the battle was. That's where the, 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 the beef is at. So as Christians, something that makes us different, right, is that we actually need the product we're pushing, right? You know what I'm saying? So you remember the commercial back in the day with the hair club for men? And he said, I'm not only, what did he, he say? I'm not only a, he said, I'm not only a client. Come on, y'all have to, am I that old? What was the hair thing or whatever? Yeah, I'm not only the president, I'm a client or something like that. I mean, not that I need any hair stuff at all or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm good. I mean, I don't need to be a client of that, but maybe he did. You know, there won't be a peninsula like the shape of Florida if I let this grow out right in the middle. None of that. But we need the product we're pushing, right? We need the cross. We actually are in need of our sins being moved and wiped away, right? If we get our eyes off the cross, right, our walk starts to look more like us trying to not get caught being bad, right? So, like, I don't know about y'all, but this happens all the time with me. Like, it's like we can't handle being caught as the sinners or being like, yo, you actually missed this really, really bad and you actually, you actually hurt someone with it, right? Me and my wife have this conversation all the time. We're always talking about well, my intentions were good and I'm like trying to defend my intentions and she's like, that's cool and all. But the impact, you jerk, was that you, she doesn't ever say nothing like that ever. But you get what I'm saying? I don't want to be caught. I don't want to be bad. I want to be Michael Jackson bad, but I don't want to be bad. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know about Michael Jackson. All right. Let's read some real quick. Let's get into Luke 3, right? So I'm going to read this. Y'all ready? All right, it says, and he went into all the region around the Jordan. This is talking about John the Baptist, right? It says he went in, into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the, crook and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways, shall become level ways, right? So he's talking about things that are broken being straightened out, right? He's talking about the crooked becoming straight. And he says, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Verse 7, he says, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And in verse 8, he says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. So I want you to hold on to that statement throughout the sermon. He tells them, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. I'm going to jump down a little bit. In verse 9, he says, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, right? So he's, one of the things he's qualifying this idea of what's good and what's bad 
what gets put in the storehouse and what gets thrown into the fire is in this statement where he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He could just say, bear fruit, right? And so what happens in church, even when we look over this statement and we miss it, we, we take it as, let's go do some awesome good stuff. And we just begin on, we get on our treadmill game, like, yo, let's be good. Let's be good, be good. And we start working and working and working and working, and we completely miss our need for the cross, right? We, 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 we start formulating this idea of what, what, is bear fruit, what does it mean to bear fruit? We start forming this life in our own mind of this righteousness, right? And we end up becoming self-righteous. We end up becoming like a lot of people that were in the opposite, that were playing the opposition you know, to Martin Luther King Jr., to Paul inside of the text, the super apostles, that we end up like that because we, we're, 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 we're managing fruit out of our own power. Does that make sense? I'm going to keep working through it so y'all can grab it. You know, it's crazy to me, like when I see sometimes when there's stuff on the news and there's like... Um, you know, somebody gets killed by the cops, or it doesn't even matter. Stuff with even what we've seen with Charlottesville. When you start looking down the comments, right? Joint gets crazy. And what's scary to me when I'm reading these comments and people are like, go kill these, blum, blah, blum, blah, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, and it goes back and forth, right? Go kill, like, the responses of how people, what people think is actually justice. It's horrifying. Um, it's one thing to be like, hey, that's, you know, you're wrong and that's wrong. But it's this thing where, like, people have this deep sense of righteousness when they make their statements. And they're horrifying. And sometimes when I'm reading, I'm like, this would be a horrible world to live in if this person was God, right? But I'm like, nevertheless, something in their narrative, in their story has brought them to the place where they think this is actually righteous and this is justice. Whether wrong or not, they feel it for real, right? So it means that we're just stuck in a really, really jacked up world that has no hope of change unless something gets a hold of our heart and changes us from the inside, right? It's not even like a self-help program, like get your mind right type stuff. It, nothing's going to help it. Like it's in us very, very deep. But then when you read something like this right here, bear fruit, fruits in keeping with repentance. So the concept is that this fruit in your life, you know, like I just told you, we got the wild, wild west where everybody has all their different opinions. But this is actually bear fruits in keeping with repentance, right? And so where's this repentance? Where's it, where's it falling up under? Who are we repenting to? We're repenting before the cross, right, to the Father. And, and, and we're, we're saying that you're God and we're not. You're truth and we're not, right? We're sinners, you're holy, and we don't even have the credibility to determine what truth is outside of your Holy Spirit leading us. Do you get where I'm coming from? So this statement is so pivotal in the idea of how do we wipe away this gray area? Right? We don't do it by our, own, by our own intellect. We do it kneeling very low before the cross, right? 
bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Let's keep reading. Hold on to what I was just saying. And it says, and do not begin to say, say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able for these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear fruit. It's cut down and thrown into the fire. Just really quick to give you understanding on what he's saying right there. When they said, yo, we have, he says, don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. He's basically talking to the Jews. And they're like, they think they're cute and they're righteous because they're like, yo, man, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's in our bloodline. We come from, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need to get your stuff right, but, you know. Our father is Abraham, whatever, so we're in. He's like, homie, God can raise up these rocks to follow him. He don't need you. You're not cute. He's saying, yo, nobody escapes having to come before the Lord with this repentance. There's no way for any fruit to come forward until you, you kneel to his righteousness and his majesty and his holiness. You get where I'm coming from? So he's telling them, stop with all the cute stuff. You're playing yourself. That's what he's saying, right? He didn't say it just like that, but he's saying that, all right? And he says... And do not, well, let me keep going, hit that again. He says, in verse 9, he says, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, there that, uh, every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And listen to this right here. He says, and the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? So I'm going to translate this for you. What they're saying is, so what does this repentance look like? How do we bear fruit, right? And this is what he says. And he answered them. And he said, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. And in verse 12, he says, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. 14, he says, soldiers also asked him, and, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. I don't know if y'all are catching this right here, right? This is what's crazy to me about the Bible. So, and the crowds asked him. You know who the crowd is? It's me, you, your mama, and your cousin too. All right? That's us. He's talking to us, right? He's talking to us, right? And then the tax collectors. It's the government, right? I'm just bringing in the modern day for you, all right? It's tax collectors. Then the soldiers, the centurions. It's the cops. Mm, okay, you'll get it. We'll work through it. So, man, look at our government right now. Look at what we have going on. I'm not going to get political. It doesn't matter what side you get on. It's a mess, no matter where you're standing, right? You can blame whoever you want to. You can say it's the liberals, liberals, you can say it's the Republicans. Whatever you want to do, we're not going to get into that. But it's an absolute mess, right? Nobody's bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. People are just doing what seems right to themselves, but it doesn't work. It doesn't love the population very well. And then the population, the crowd, us, we sit in the crowd, and we're about as greedy as it can get, Right? I love having my conversations with Christians, and they're like, you know, this is cool going to help people, but why? But why? Why, 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 why should we serve and help anybody? So I'm like, were you saved by grace? Did you deserve that? I think the Father wants us to be like him. I think he wants us to overwhelm people with the love that we receive, right? 
So it's a bad question. It's a bad question when we ask why, especially when we have an eternity so beautiful, right? Be crazy for us to hoard stuff to ourselves right now in this life that goes by in a flash. Like, John is, he's dealing with the problem, right? He's dealing with a problem. He, he, he's dealing with some ugly stuff. And the soldiers, look at what he says to them. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. You say that right now, you'll get some of the population like, yes, I've gone through that. I've been beat up by the cops too. Then you have other people like, don't you dare talk about our, our boys in blue. We'll beat you black and blue out here, all right? Don't do it. Don't do it. And it's always an either or. But we don't have to function on this either or. We don't have to function on it either or. If we have officers that are honorable, let's celebrate them. But if we have some people that are corrupt, let's drag them up out of the building. All I'm saying is, excuse me, all John is saying is, is that it's a problem because we're humans and we have flesh. So it's a problem. So we're being very foolish when we actually deny that there could possibly be a problem, right? And we're actually keeping justice from happening to people when we sit in the gray area and go, no, this is not a problem. Everything is all good. Or when we discredit people who are made in the image of God as well, and they say, I'm hurting right now, and we're suffering, and we feel oppressed and abused, it gets ugly. Do you get where I'm coming from? Same thing goes the other way. When we have officers who are saying, I'm laying my life out on the line, and stuff is ugly, they need to be heard as well, right? And I'm not trying to play this thing where, there's, where, where, where I'm trying to find a middle ground because there is a power differential in here that's different, right? One person has a badge and one person's a common citizen. And I don't want to get into all that stuff, but I'm just saying, as believers, we get to hear people, right? And we get to walk into repentance in the middle of these conversations. We get to bring justice to these conversations by stepping into this repentance that bears fruit, Right? It stands up for the hurting on whatever side, whoever's hurting in front of you, whether it's somebody with a badge or whether it's somebody without a badge. Does that make sense? It's a different conversation than denying anybody ever being right or their statement being false for the sake of you being right, but that you actually are able to walk in the light and say, man, that, that's horrible that you're going through that. And that's horrible that you're going through that. How do I step into this with you? Right? Let me just keep going or whatever. Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Seems simple enough, but it doesn't, it's not simple. Right? You know why it's not simple? Because it involves esteeming other people higher than yourself. Who ever heard of such a thing? It's crazy. Esteem others higher than yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Whoever has food is to do likewise. We throw food away all day. We have other countries or whatever that can't even get clean water. Right? I leave the water running while I'm brushing my teeth. Go make an omelet and come back and then turn the water. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. We're all caught red-handed in the middle of this, right? Tax collectors also came to be baptized. 
teacher, what shall we do? Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Stop pillaging the people. Stop pillaging the people. Stop sticking up your own people. All right. Fifteen. Christians that are deceived by their affinity for comfort and reluctance to share with the hurting, right? That's what we see. As before we get to 15, I just want the problem that we see in this text is not that people are sinful. That is a problem, right? But we all fall in that category. Like, it's not... Um, it's not surprising that it's a struggle for people to share their tunic or whatever, right? Or to share their food. It's not. It's not surprising um, what the soldiers are doing. It's not surprising what the tax collectors are doing, right? And our hearts are shown to be same, the same in so many small ways all the time. When we walk out of gas stations sometimes and we got a wad full of money, right? Sometimes it's not wisdom to actually give in the moment, but I know sometimes we're just busy. And I'm like, I got to go. I'm about to go play top golf with my boy. I don't have time to stop and get you some food right now, right? Just because it's just inconvenient, right? The ugliness in our heart is exposed. There's things in our life, there's comforts that are way more important than, you know what I'm saying? I remember I was talking to this dude one time, and he was, like, talking about some preacher. He's like, Stu's walking around with a $40 shirt on for goodness sake. And I was like, I was like, brother, how much did your shirt cost? Like $9. And I was like, well, they got shirts at the thrift store for like 50 cents. Why don't you start buying all your shirts at the thrift store and start pouring all that money out to the homeless since you own everybody about how much the shirt costs, right? I'm just saying that to say to you, like, none of us escape out of this being guilt-free, right? Without being convicted. Like, we won't stand before the Lord and sell him anything about how innocent we are. He's going to snatch us up. But what's beautiful is this repentance that he offers us, right? So my statement is a hard heart keeps things crooked. Let me keep moving. Verse 15. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, Right? So they're so undone by the level of repentance and truth that they're wondering if he's the Christ. Because the rhythm of the world and the carnality and the brokenness of the world is so typical, and it is what it actually is, that when you actually go the other way, it makes everybody stop and go, what in the world is going on, right? So it'll either get you beat to death or it'll open people's eyes, one or the, one or the other, right? There's, there's suffering that comes with telling the truth. It doesn't make you just be the good guy. It may be the person that we need to get rid of him. He got to go. Because we're trying to get to this money. He's standing in the way of it, trying to be all righteous and all that. He got to die. That happens. It's corruption, right? Our posture is we, that we walk around, we're trying to be the best we can and hold up the weight of appearing righteous. And here we see the cross being magnified around this idea of repentance. And it's so beautiful to the people and it's so confounding to them. Yo, is this dude Christ? 
That's what they're, that's what they're asking, right? That's what, he's, that's what he's asking. I was talking to one of my friends this week or whatever, and they were talking about just being crazy overwhelmed at their job. And they were making a statement. They said, you know, I run around and I act like I have everything together and I'm suffering so bad. They're like, I'm suffering so bad. Like, I'm trying to be a perfectionist, and on the back end, it's, like, crushed me into where I've, like, closed off everything because I can't take it anymore. And I was just like, it's like you, 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 you're not believing the gospel right now. You're not believing that you don't have to be perfect. What you're trying to attain is not real. And I said, you're on a treadmill, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to run you out. I know it because I often find myself in the same place, right? I said, you, 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 you're keeping up a lie that is actually eating you alive. I said, but I said, and, and, and they were talking about the people that look at them for encouragement. I said, man, those people actually need you to tell the truth so they can actually rest too. I said, you got them running on the treadmill trying to keep up. They actually would be served really well if you could be like, yo, we need to stop and take care of ourselves and, and, and confess your sin of the idolatry, right? So hard for us to walk into the light, but it's, it rocks the whole room. It, walk, it, it rocks the whole room. When somebody comes in with truth and shakes up all the lies and the, and, and, and the carnality of how this world, what we're trapped into, that's freedom. That's freedom. The other is slavery to the world, right? So what does humility look like, right? So in verse 16, John answered them all saying, now listen to this. He says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. And he says, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. There's, there's, a, there's a humility and there's a repentance in his statement, right? You got to think about it. At this moment, he's sharing the truth and people are looking at him like, yo, is this Christ? If you ever wanted to be a superstar or whatever, American Idol, that was the moment. Not, oh, he can sing awesome. Is this Christ? I've never said that about somebody. But that's what they're saying. But in this moment, he doesn't take that, and he humbles himself, and he says, yo, he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Right? So he's, he's functioning in this ongoing and sanctifying repentance, right? A healthy wound leads us to repentance and keeps the sweetness of mercy and forgiveness in balance with the bitterness of our brokenness and reveals our need for Jesus. We just witness him bearing fruit with repentance, right? He is caught up in this things. If you've been here before, you've heard me say it. He's in the sanctification sandwich, right? So he's caught up in this place where God is so high and lifted up, and, but he sees himself so small, right? He sees himself so small, broken, and sinful in it, right? He doesn't grasp God to be something to even be brought low or to even be found level with. He's super small, and the cross is super big. Do you, you get what I'm saying? That in the middle of that is this, is this place where we walk in this continual repentance because we're free, Right? There's a big difference. There's this one thing where you have to look like you have everything together, where you have to look like you're like super mom and make no mistakes. All right? My kids are getting pacifiers off the floor, and I'm like, I should wash that, but it'll be all right. Little dog, little dog here ain't never hurt nobody. 
a little protein in that, I would imagine, something. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, we're a mess, right? Like, I'm telling you, like, y'all don't even know it, man. Like, I deal with this self-righteous stuff. You'll never catch me opening the door to my van, like, out on the open out here, whatever. Because I'm like, if you see it, y'all leaving the church. If you see inside it, I told you, I just told y'all the other week I was getting lotion out of a puddle that was stuck up under the seat. I was just like in there, I was like, man, I'm too good for this. Then I was just like, man, let me get to that lotion. That joint had some, 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 some chair oil on it and all that. I was on that. I, was, I worked it out. You know what I'm saying? So if you see me up here, I'd be like this. Like, you know what it is. It's that DW40 is, is, is working me or whatever. Right? So on one side of salvation, our sin separates us from God. On the other side of salvation and justification, the confession of our sin draws us closer to God. It's beautiful stuff. It tastes like freedom, all right? I know I'm taking a long walk with you, but we're getting closer to like what freedom tastes like right now. I don't know if you can feel it, right? But listen to this. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's good news to the sinner. I didn't become a Christian for years or whatever. Like I was running from God because I was like, uh, he ain't going up in there with all with my, my resume is dirty. I never understood the gospel to be like, no, bring this mess to the foot of the cross. Do you get where I'm coming from? This is why the gray area is a problem. This is why we can't let it, this be the message that you need to get it together and act right. You need to shape up. God's already shaped it up. He shaped it up with Jesus. He fixed it all in Jesus. Repentance. That's it. That's it. Sanctification happens. Justification happens. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, listen to this. This is the type of father we have. Listen to him. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, repentance, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear, heal their land. We get access when we repent. King Josiah in the Bible, when he finds the old, the old ancient writings and he looks into them and he's like, oh my God, our people have turned from God. We, we, we are, we worshiping idols, all of that. He's a boy king, and he sees it. He's like, yo, tear all that stuff down. We got to repent. And then the prophet comes and tells him, he says, yo, God says he's going to thug out everybody. He's going to thug out, the people going to get it, right? They're going to get it. He's like, he goes, they're going to bear a penalty. He said, but you, he said, I'm going to bless you. He said, I'm going to bless you because of your repentant heart. You understand? It's not the fact that he, 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 Hadn't sinned. He, he sinned. He's with everybody else. He was going with the flow and everything else. But confession, repentance. God wasn't looking to spank him. He'd been a bad boy. I knew you were bad. That's how we do our kids sometimes. God is better than us. He's a good, good father, right? So the repentance brings access to him. And he's like, beautiful, son. The prodigal son, same thing. God, I'm a mess. I've squandered everything. Kids with the big diamond ring in the, in the fur robe. I don't know what it was like, but I know it was right. He's like, come on in, yo. He's like, I thought you were going to ban me. I'm coming home. I didn't squandered everything. 
This is the worst thing I could possibly do. What you've worked for, the inheritance you gave me, I went and wasted it on sin and folly. Welcome home. Welcome home. That's the, that's the good news we preach to people, right? We don't skip over their sin. We need to repent because the kingdom's at hand. But the kingdom is at hand, right? It's good news. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. It's beautiful stuff. It's beautiful stuff. Let me get back to the text. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 17 says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people, right? So John's repentance and his vulnerability sets him up as, if, as, it, um, as it will us to deliver good news, right? So often, we like run across our family members or we go to family unions or whatever, and we just think our witness is just based in how we don't get involved in all the other activities and everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we think like, man, you know what? I'm just going to witness to them this year. Like, when they see how, you know, I'm going to come just dressed to a T, and it's crazy. It's going to be so awesome, and I'm not going to do anything. When they, when they talk and they curse, I'm just going to sit there and stare at them and let the holiness of the Lord just, just rain on them. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and we think that's the tactic. Right. And, and, and so we create this great divide with us and them where they're like, you're weird, you know, like oh, you're weird. And I don't want to I don't like sometimes it's not even that they don't want God. They're just like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to <laughs> like my friends are going to beat me up if I'm like that. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we go back and we're like we really witnessed God really gave us some, you know, really fruit out of this weekend. And you're like, no, he didn't. People hate you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not that we shouldn't go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like it's not bad. Not bad that we go to our family unions or whatever the context is, and look to be, and look to be different. But different may not be about that. It may be about actually confessing your sin to people, right? Like, like. Finding the similarity, like, yeah, I, I know what that's like. You get what I'm saying? And it may give you room to actually preach the good news. I say this all the time. We're not in the good box over here because we're good. We're there because Christ is good and his blood covers our sins and by his work puts us in this box, right? Because of the promise of the Father. But we haven't done anything to earn this. And we still got our flesh. So it ain't like we far removed from understanding what people go through, right? What we get to do is find understanding with them and actually point them to something way more beautiful in the gospel and in the cross and come into their story and walk it out with them as we're still walking it out because we haven't arrived and we're not perfect, right? So our vulnerability gives us people's ear, right? And gives glory to God because it makes the story not about us but about our Father, who deserves all the glory. 
Psalms 14, 1 through 3. Let me read this to you. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. The story is never about how good we are. The story is never about us. You need to get your life straight because, I, you know, I've changed and, um, and things are just on the up and up. Just bought a new crib, new house. Um, you know, you're going to always be stuck there if you keep doing that. Like, that doesn't help anybody at all. They don't need to see laws and morals. They need to see God, right? They need to see his son, Jesus, right, who lavishes his mercy on sinners because that's good news when you're a sinner. That, that's, that's something that may make, that, that, that can cause you to run towards the cross. You actually love screw-ups? Like you love wretched people? You love people who actually come to you and repent 50 times a day for the same sin? And stab daggers in your back and say, I'll never do it again with tears. And then go and do it again 10 minutes later. You love people like that? You're saying, God, you have so much mercy that you actually will continue to walk with that person? Who wants to be that person? Right? So in the gray area, we've let this hovering self-righteous cloud over our head where we have to, we have this fake line of how good we are, right? And so everybody's walking around trying to keep it up. It's a lie. It's a lie. God wants to fix what is broken, and he calls us the repairs of the breach in the word. He declares he makes things brand new, right? In Psalms 14, and three, one of the things I said right there, the word says right there, it says, they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one, right? So God's response is that, to that is that he redeems sinners, right? He reconciles his enemies, people that hate him. He brings them into to his family, right? He brings them into his family. And he calls us into the into the repairing of this breach he calls the crowd to share the tunic right to give clothing to those in need he calls the crowd to give food he calls the government to say you know what how do we actually how do how do we actually lavish these people with love in a way that will actually build up our city in righteousness how do we protect justice in our city right for the authorities for the officers he says he does something in, 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 in their heart where it's like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to stop and love people, right? I'm going to stop and love people. I'm not going to do what people are saying is happening. Like, I'm going to go the extra mile because that is the narrative out there. Like, God is like into whatever the story is, we go another way. In a way that gives glory to God, right? He's fixing what's broken, And as we declare there is a God and he is true, he is sanctifying us and growing us up. 
In 1 Peter 2, 2, he says this. He says, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that it may, that it, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is good. And as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God's chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Translation, bearing fruit with repentance, right? God is sanctifying us. He gives us this, he justifies us, gives us this title of holy priesthood, and he's looking for us to bear fruit, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, right? Loving the unlovable the same way we were loved, right? Running towards people that people treat like have the plague because we were the plague. Filthy, disgusting before the Lord, right? We walk around in this soberness like John. I'm not even worthy to loosen his, his straps on his shoes. It's not a false humility. It's the truth. It's the truth. This is why we need to rehearse the cross, right? So our repentance is our access, right? It opens the door for us. That's how we're different. That's how we're something different than the world. Everything in the world says, if you're wrong, if you're not right, if you don't get it right, then we should crush you. But we look in the word and we see Jesus on the cross, right? The Lamb of God sent as a sacrifice for our sins, a willing sacrifice, not a defeated king, a sacrificial king, right? Who's taking on our punishment on the cross, that we can be granted righteousness. And in that moment, he has one thief on, hit on one side of him who says, I thought you was God, homie. Mocking him. And then there's the other thief on the other side who says, I should be up here. Right? He, he admits his sin on the cross. Last moments of his life, he hangs up there and he's like, we deserve to be up here. We should be up here. Most people in our society would say, yeah, you do. You should be up there. Die. And that would be it. But that's not the God we serve. He looks over at him and he says, today you'll join me in paradise. His confession and his repentance in that moment bust the heavens wide open. You understand? We're going to end right there today.